the Disky Chicks podcast for business leaders and those interested in learning how to use the DISC assessment to grow self-awareness, improve communications, and develop leaders and teams. Please welcome your hosts, business coaches Martha Fourlines and Cindy Jacoby. They are loud and proud about all things DISC. Thanks, Roger, and hello, everybody. Welcome to Season 5 of the Disky Chicks podcast. This season, we're focusing on the organization as a whole and how the strategic use of assessments can be transforming to your business. Let's get started. Welcome to the Disky Chicks. My name is Martha Forlines, and I'm here with my partner, Cindy Jacoby. Hi, Cindy. Hello. And we are here this week to talk about filling your tank. And by that, we're referring to the driving forces, the motivators, what fills your tank. And everybody is different just like with behaviors. And we're going to give you examples as a leader of how you can help fill your employees' tanks with the language you use that's consistent with their particular driving forces profile. Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. We're Everyone is experiencing stress at work and we all we're all driven by something different. And I think what we try to do when we help our clients is help our leaders understand their employees and what it is that drives them because research shows that they're going, they're motivated by something and they're going to find it. And if they can find it at work, then it's Nirvana. It's those are the people that feel like they've never worked a day in their life. And I think intellectually we know probably that everybody's not motivated by the same thing. But I think if you're not thinking about it strategically, what's good for me has to be good for you. So I reward people the way that I want to be rewarded. You know, as a high eye, I'm going to reward people by celebrating them. And as a high eye and somebody who is also commanding, I like to be center stage, but apparently not everybody wants to do that. So we're going to talk more <laughs> about how to even think about your employees ahead of time So you are filling their tank. Right, right. And remember, these driving forces or motivators are extrinsic motivators. So it's something they get out here, not necessarily within themselves. So as a leader of that employee, you have an opportunity to speak their language, which feeds their driving forces, which fills their tank. And engagement, I actually read this week, Cindy, that engagement is up slightly. Gallup just published another whole ream of research. So it's up slightly to like 37%. So that's a good sign. That's a good indicator that people are really post-COVID and getting their heads wrapped around uh, work again in a very positive way. So what we're going to do today is to, each of us are going to take turns picking a driving force and give you some actual words you can use with your employees, assuming you have this driving forces report and you know what their top four driving forces are. So Cindy, you want to kick it off with one of your top driving forces? Oh, yeah, maybe. Well, I think, you know, one one thing to stress is that we give these reports and we go through the exercise, but then I think managers 
forget how to use them. Yeah. So we are trying to give you some tangible, strategic ways to use these reports to help yourself, help your employees, help your team, help your company. And we are going to model an example of what you could be doing yourself. And so what we'll do is we'll pick, say what, um, I'm going to pick intellectual, that driving force. And Martha, do you have a graphic that you can show? Yeah. Uh, We'll show you the textbook. We're not going to go through all 12, but we just want to show you, you know, if, if we were managers of an employee, there's one and our, my employee that I am trying to fill her tank is a high intellectual. And what that means is that they're driven by opportunities to learn. They like to acquire knowledge. They like to go deep and wide with what they learned. Um, Everything they feel like is potentially valuable. They're very theoretical. They can argue both sides because they want the whole knowledge. So knowing that that's the descriptor of somebody that's intellectual, always looking to learn you know, Martha and I are going to really brainstorm, maybe go back and forth because yeah. that'll be the easiest, you know, but how can you either give feedback or give some reward recognition to that employee? We'll call her Irma, the intellect. Irma, so, the intellect. I if, like it. <laughs> if Irma was my employee, you know, maybe she did a really good job on something. I might try to reward her with going to a conference or taking a class or, a budget towards a webinar, right? Yeah. Your turn. She gets to learn, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And another thing is to have Irma to lead a research project team to find out, you know, what their customers are really needing from the services of their business and what, and High intellectuals love researching. They love studying everything they can get their hands on and are lifelong learners. So I think that would motivate Irma a lot to do that. Yeah, I think I think that's another good one. All right, now it's back on me to figure yeah. out something, huh? Um, I, I think any kind, and this will be similar to yours, but any kind of assignment that the, the question is, Please, you know, research the pros and cons of moving in this direction, because a high intellectual isn't necessarily going to sway the research to to what they like. They like that whole knowledge. So they're a good arbiter of truth. If you ask for the pros and cons, if we made this particular decision, Um, I think they would they would be jazzed by that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the final example that I have is to have Irma to go and do online research about what customers that purchase their products are um, competitive competitors to their products and what could they do to possibly improve upon the product offerings that they have. So this is something a high intellectual would love to dig their teeth into, you know, think about it, you know, researching all sorts of competitive products and bringing new ideas to the table. So again, if you're, if you have an employee like Irma and you know that they're high intellectual and you're thinking, oh, how on earth can I fill her tank? Those are things that, especially if you are not intellectual and that stuff seems like <laughs> dreadful to you, like, oh my gosh, please don't make me do this. And it's a chore. Find somebody who loves to do that. And then everybody's a winner. You don't have to do it. She gets to do it. 
and both your tanks get full that way. And then the company benefits because they get this great piece of work that this right. person is going right. to give as an output. Okay, my turn. All right. we do. I do not know what Martha's going to pick, but... I am going to pick altruistic. Okay. What does that yeah, mean? And the altruistic driving force means you're driven to assist others, not just for the satisfaction, but being helpful and supported and giving. And a lot of um, my clients, not a lot, but quite a few of them are uh, nonprofits. So you can imagine within the nonprofit world that they're driven by a lot of this altruistic motivator. So to fill their tank, what can we do, Cindy? I mean, when I think about it, and we're, we'll say this is Alma, the altruism person. Okay. And yeah. Alma is would love to have the opportunity to head up a employee engagement group that chooses outreach projects for their business. Let's say they're highly, highly involved in the community that their business is based in. And, you know, they're looking at Habitat for Humanity, yeah. just as one, which I know Cindy is near and dear to your heart. Um, but that's one way to fill the tank of Alma's, um, uh, you know, car or engine, if you will. Yeah. So if your company has some kind of community outreach, um, community services, that's a good person. And I always think of the, um, oh gosh, what is the big fund drive that a lot of the businesses do? Um, what United Way? Yes. There's always a United Way captain. This yeah. is the person that you would want to be your United Way captain. Now, I personally am on the other side intentional, but I do a lot of work with Habitat for Humanity. And what I've noticed is that the the nonprofits kind of run around in the same circles and yep. true altruistic leaders love to share resources, share information and work with other nonprofits. So if I had, um, if Alma was on my team and had some, you know, special tie with a nonprofit, maybe finding a way that she can work with other nonprofits as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great one. Yeah. I love that. And then there's what can they do from an altruist, altruistic standpoint within the business? I know that um, onboarding is a very, very critical practice in most businesses to make sure the employee not just understands their role, but really the culture of the business. And maybe Alma becomes the culture spokesperson for anybody that comes on for the onboarding process so that they can really get socialized within the business and get to know other people, other like-minded people um, that share this altruistic tendency as well. So that would be very motivational to her. Yeah. And if you think about ways your company handle people that need help, you know, mm -hmm. say um, IT help or, you know, is there a helpline? If you can think of a way for Alma, and this kind of goes, Martha, with what you were saying on the onboarding. Uh, I, I worked with a company and helped with HR and we ended up starting to pair people with buddies, you know, like uh -huh. giving these new employees 
don't know if it was a mentor, but maybe a mentor or at least a buddy that they knew they could come to and ask questions. All right. your altruistic people would love to do that because they would love to help others get acclimated. So it, it goes along with your onboarding, but that's a great opportunity for mm-hmm. people to be able to help other people and yeah. fill their tank and do good for the company. And again, this is another win, win, win situation. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Your turn. Oh, Lordy. All right. I'm going to, where do you want to go? I don't know. Um, Let's go to, you know, I think we should do one Martha where we do kind of the yin and the yang. So why don't we do commanding? Okay. Followed by collaborative, but let's do commanding. Okay. You'll have the same people, you know, similar people on the team. So commanding, you know, these, these people are driven, you know, it says here by status and recognition. To me, I think the the main thing is control over your personal freedom. It the is. Commanding person. Um, it's not so much that they're power hungry, although they could be, but the commanding person really wants to make a difference and they want to control their own time and they want to influence that of others. So they like that independence. They like leading from the front. Um, so that's, that's kind of the definition of a, of a commanding driving force. Mm-hmm. And my first example would be at, you know, in fifth grade, I'm, a, I'm commanding in fifth grade when the teacher let me hand out the papers or, you know, or help grade or do anything like that, I really felt proud and I wanted to do that. Now, I think you could probably also use that for altruistic, right? But it's for different reasons. I like the spotlight and altruistic person just like to help, but again, same behavior, but filling my tank by making me seem important, you know, really worked for me. Right. Um, And how you do that in, in the workplace, it can be um, some kind of public recognizable job, you know, something like that. One one thing that comes to mind to me is the importance of understanding what really does fill the tank of your employees. So if you have our report, then the leader will know, but let's say the leader does not have the report and they're asking the employee up front during their onboarding, you know, what is it that really fills your tank or floats your boat? And the employee talks about liking to independently work on projects that um, that they can complete from beginning to end. And that leader finds out about that. And let's say they're six months in and they're really getting acclimated in their role. And the leader says, I don't know what this employee's name is, Cindy. You didn't name them. So I'm going to oh, say uh, Coco. Coco. <laughs> so Coco, I have a great project for you. I would like for you to work on a program within our department where you are taking the lead and talking to each of the employees about what's really working well for them with our project management tool and what is not working well, because I've heard a lot of controversy over this. Is that something you would like to do, Coco? And I'm sure Coco would love that because she can create the project. She can put the project plan in and fully affect it, get the results and bring it back to her boss. 
Yeah. So that, that would be a very fulfilling, commanding thing for Coco to do. I think another thing to think about with a commanding person is that they are, they are ladder climbers. I mean, they Mm -hmm. want to get the promotion. They want to move up. They want to see progress. If they're not moving up, then they feel stagnant. So uh, I think having a career path for a commanding person like Coco is really important. Even if it's, you know, even if you have to make something up that you are the you know, special assistant to the property manager, you know, any, any time there can be a title change or responsibility added, even if you don't add money to it, these are not necessarily money driven, but they are status driven. So, Mm -hmm. so raises are helpful with that. But I think this, this kind would really rather have the new title than anything else. Cause it, it feeds that tank. It nurtures that drive for leadership, you know, to, to be out in front, to be the go-to person. Right, right. And Cindy, the the thing that I think about too is many entrepreneurs do have commanding in their top four driving forces. So if you are a leader of a big business or an entrepreneurial business, but you notice these tendencies by one of your employees like Coco, then you need to feed that. You need to feed that ability again so they can pursue their personal, that personal freedom in some of the projects that you delegate to them, because that will really keep them energized and engaged. And that's what you're really trying to do by having these conversations with your employees. Yeah. And my last comment on Coco is that public recognition, huge for the commanding. They want, because again, they're trying to to climb that ladder. So to be recognized and awarded for the good work that they've done, because remember, they'll take on more responsibility and they'll take on the accountability that goes with it. Uh, But but public recognition is the way to go for that. Yeah. Yeah. And that goes for if you have team meetings, not that you want to over pour the public recognition on one person, but just know that when you're in meetings, you can also give yeah. these expressions of filling tank to any employee in the room and keep the energy in that team meeting very, very high. Speaking of teams, let's wrap it up with Colin, the collaborative. Okay. This again, the motivator's power, where you talk about what what it means to be collaborative as opposed to commanding. Right, right. Yeah, when when I think about Colin, the collaborative, they really have a servant's heart from my interpretation of this, and they just love helping others. So being a part of a team where they can always be that in that support role, taking care of the needs of others is just totally fulfilling for this high collaborative person, Colin, in my opinion. Yeah, a, a collaborative person uh, doesn't need to lead from the front. They want to make sure that they are part of a high functioning team where everybody gets to contribute their gifts to the group. And right. so- so for that reason, if you're trying to, you know, fill that person's tank, 
it, it really almost all the time involves being part of a team, it working is. with somebody, working with a partner. Uh, they don't like solo work. Um, right. Right. That, that drains and they want to be part of something bigger. So my first thing is partner them up with somebody, make sure they're on a team and give some team assignments. Right. Right. What did you do, Martha. Well, and unlike the that commanding that wants all that recognition, this high collaborative um, motivator and Colin is really not about recognizing individuals. It's recognizing the team yes. and giving the team the accolades. And they don't really want it. They don't need it because if they're a part of that team and contributing, then that fills their tank. Yeah. And I think if you do want to give some reward, then maybe something quiet, pull them aside or a note yes. would work. But um, at, as a collaborative, I mean, as, as a, as a um, commanding person, you might want to think, oh, I'm going to bring them up in front of the whole company and we're going to celebrate them together because that's what I would like. But the reason yeah. we do this is that you have to, you have to figure out how to fill that tank and that would drain that tank. They would be mortified if you yeah. did. That. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's so true. That's so true. Being able to be collaborative, work on a team, um, keeping them out of ego-driven environments. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, sometimes they're just going to, they may pass on a promotion. They kind of like things the way they are. That could be some of the negative side of that, but we need, we need people to be, to be doing stuff. Uh, they don't want to focus on their own personal contribution, like you said, but, but right. to the teams. Right. So, right. They'll get stressed out if you make them the leader of the team to switch things around. They don't like that. That's that role of sharing leaderships, taking turns, being in charge of things. While yeah. that would that would be great for the commanding, yeah. not so much for, for Colin. Right. Right. Okay. So it's my turn. This is our last one. Is that right? Um it, yeah, we can do one more. Okay, I'm just looking here. Well, I love surroundings. I think this is a critical one. And um, and when we talk about surroundings, it's the environment in which they're working in. And it's really important that you as a leader really are sensitive to and pay attention to the desired surroundings of your employees. So we'll start with harmonious. So let's say Harry, the harmonious. How about that? There you go. And, and Harry is driven by the experience. And by that, it's something they feel. It's something emotional and subjective and a balance in their surroundings. And um, I, I have a story that I'll share because this really solidified my understanding of harmonious when I heard this is if Harry is high, high harmonious, then you are not going to want to stick him in the basement in an office with four gray walls and no windows. Yes. Because uh, aesthetics matter to this high harmonious. So when you think about how can you feed the tank of that high harmonious is situate their office or their work area where they can look out of a window yes, and to really be able to see nature and, and a high harmonious can be a daydreamer. I mean, they, they may need a break and their break is just sitting at their desk, looking out the window, but it fills their tank. 
It really does. Yeah, I can see how people would not want to put them there because you think that you're encouraging that. But if it's if that's what energizes them, then yes, they need that. And I know you've had experience with with um, productivity going way up. Oh, yeah. Notice a harmonious person, not in a harmonious situation. Yeah. I mean, we're not kidding about this. It makes a difference. So, yeah. Any, um, anything you'd like to add to that, Cindy? Yeah, this is not one of my personal driving forces, right. so it's harder to relate. So this would be something that I would need to sit and think about. Um, I think the harmonious person cares about the, the current environment and really how things look. And mm-hmm. I was in a training one time, we were talking about the driving forces and the differences. And our leader said, um, all right, harmonious person, people, you know, what do you think about this room? And someone's like, well, it could use some tablecloths. And I really liked the flowers on the table. That that was really a nice touch. What? And we were like, what difference? We're in a training. Who cares? But but they care, right? I mean, I was using mm-hmm. my own bias against that. So having the opportunity to, you know, especially if visitors are coming to the office or the common areas, I would try to get that harmonious's point of view, Harry, <laughs> and see yeah. what he thinks about this. Like, well, how does our lobby look? Because again, it's not just for you, it's for the visitors and you may have harmonious visitors and harmonious employees. So yeah. anything that involves a look or feel or tranquility, balance, um, yeah. Harry's going to be your man. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And another thing about this high harmonious is, um, you know, they like that balance, i.e. they really don't want conflict or contentious situations on the team. It makes them very, very uncomfortable. So it's not as if I am saying don't have healthy conflict because on your team, you need healthy conflict. However, just understand the impact that it may have on Harry when those occur. And I I don't know that you can actually take the sting out of that. Um, if, if it's a healthy discussion, not a highly contentious discussion, if it's highly contentious, I would say, take it offline. Yeah. Don't, don't involve the whole team. Yeah. Well, and then to go along with that, it, I would say limit the chaos. Yeah. If, if there doesn't need to be chaos around Harry, then limit that. Some people thrive in that, but not the harmonious. So if yeah. there's, don't stir the pot for, for no reason, you know, like healthy conflict, uh, managed facilitated conflict resolution is the way to go with, you know, making sure people are polite and, um, take into each other's feelings into account and things like that. So yeah, that's all right. I think we should wrap this up, Martha. And I think we should save some of these for next time. Okay. Well, we'll pick it back up on objective because I'm, that's one of my top four. Mine too. Yeah. We'll, we'll unload on that one. But, but the idea is for you to, to start being strategic about your employees. How can you fill their tank? What are they missing? What can you do to eliminate, um, you know, the, the stress for them and it, yeah. it's all individualized. So that's the hard part. Yeah, it is. But you know what I've suggested for some of my coaching clients is to keep the driving forces and behaviors information out where you can see it with your employees, especially when you're talking about these um, filling the tank up with these driving forces, because and, and even have 
line, one-liners that you can use with each of your employees when you have one-on-ones with them even so that you're just reminded, oh yeah, okay, I need to fill their tank up today. They've had a great month. I want to keep them pumped up and and really um, have their tanks full. Just celebrate the right way, right? That's right. Where they need it. Okay. Well, this is fun. I'll look forward. We got to write write down what we talked about so we don't cover it again. But um, (laughs) (laughs) we'll we'll talk about this next time too. But this is this is great. Okay. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining us. And you can catch us on our website at diskychicks.com and on Facebook at Chicks Podcast. There you go. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Disky Chicks podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing today. To learn more or start a conversation with Cindy and Martha, visit the Disky Chicks podcast Facebook page.